0: The Telegraph Telegraph. Podcasts As MPs are warned, up to half a million Britons are suffering longer-term effects of coronavirus. We're looking into the symptoms that some sufferers just can't shed. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Day one hundred and forty-six. Ongoing symptoms at the moment, chest pain and brain fog, really wondering what's going on with my organs and also, well, my brain. That's Catherine. She's one of hundreds of thousands of Britons reporting prolonged and sometimes debilitating symptoms following infection with suspected or confirmed COVID-19. Almost five months after first falling ill with the virus, she's awaiting blood test results and is seeing a cardiologist. And she's not alone. On Wednesday, a group of previously fit people told MPs in the all-parliamentary group on coronavirus how their lives had been turned upside down by so-called long COVID. They warned some doctors are disabled missing many of the symptoms as being in their heads or misdiagnosing them as ME or anxiety. Among those giving evidence to MPs was a representative from the Long COVID SOS group. They're a campaign group that's putting pressure on the government to carry out further research about the long-term effects of COVID-19 and to raise awareness among the public and employers about Long COVID. To give you a flavour of what it's like living with the unpredictable symptoms months after initially falling ill, I asked some of their members to share their experience.
1: I had two weeks where I had fever, shortness of breath, um, fatigue, delirium, and I recovered for a week and suddenly out of the blue developed heart palpitations, um, the fatigue came back, shortness of breath, palpitations, almost five months now. My
0: symptoms um, went after about five or six weeks, and then came back about um, three weeks later. So I thought I was better, uh, and I've had a sort of um, relapsing remitting cycle since then. I get uh, very very weak muscles, quite, quite sore, I feel very very fatigued, very tired. I uh, quite often feel nauseous, dizzy. Uh, I sometimes have a headache with it. Um, I also get a sort of strange taste in my mouth. The thing about this is that, of course, it's gone on for more than four months, during which I would say I have felt reasonable for 50% of the time, terrible for 30% of the time and something in between for the other 20%. But I can't get my life back. To discuss why it might be that getting one's life back after suffering from coronavirus is proving much harder for some than others, I gave Professor Tim Spector a call. He's Professor of Genetic Epidemiology at King's College London, and he leads the team behind the COVID Symptom Study app, an app that many of you might have on your mobile phones. It's been downloaded by over four million Britons, and it asks users to report symptoms that could be associated with COVID-19 in order to track how the virus is spreading. I started by asking him what data the app had gathered about how many people are reporting longer-term effects of coronavirus.
1: It's unique because it's the only survey that looks at people over time uh, by getting people to log every day whether they're sick or not. So this is how we found out that fairly early on in the pandemic that there were a lot of people that weren't getting better just after a week as we'd been uh, taught to believe that this was some kind of flu. And so we quickly worked out there were uh, around 12% of people that had a a duration over a month and they just weren't getting better and we've kept looking at this group of people and it goes up. uh, People do get better between one month and three months but we're still seeing a significant number of people who have problems um, three months later.
0: That twelve percent figure gathered by your app is the reason that MPs were told that up to half a million people in in the UK could be suffering from these longer term effects. Do we know if those people are suffering from the disease itself or if they're suffering from knock on effects after they've suffered from the disease?
1: I think it's very hard to separate the, those those two out because the disease itself can manifest in you know over twenty different symptoms as we as we show on the app. So. Uh, and they're all in a way a reaction to the virus um, rather than the virus itself. And so the fact that some people have a slow reaction to the virus, other people have a very rapid uh, response, I think it's all part and parcel of the same. Um, if you know, There are some other post-viral f- f- symptoms which generally might be confused with some of these cases, but many of these uh, seem to be quite specific to the this particular COVID virus, uh, given that they've got uh, particularly things like loss of sense of smell, uh, which is quite common uh, in people with long symptoms, which is you don't find with other general uh, viruses. So we think it is most of these cases probably are directly related to this particular virus rather than any virus in general. And we're seeing patterns that look like um, certain symptoms are sticking together. And our commonest symptoms are, apart from loss of smell and taste, it's headache, the shortness of breath or persistent cough, and of course fatigue, which are the the commonest um, symptoms.
0: As you say, one of the things that makes this an unusual disease is um, some of the symptoms. But another thing that's striking about coronavirus is that it can affect some people asymptomatically, some mildly, others fatally and others seriously for months. How unique is that in a disease from your experience?
1: Um, in my experience, it's this is a totally unique disease. I mean, I'm, I was trained as a rheumatologist and we do see some strange autoimmune diseases uh, that can manifest in different ways, but not with so many symptoms over such a short time. And it's looking from our data that we're seeing sub, subgroups of disease. So we've isolated sick from looking at all the data together, at least six different groups of these diseases that look like they behave in different ways. So some people developing antibodies, other people having this T cell response. Some people getting clearing the virus rapidly, others it lingering on. And where it lingers on, whether it's in the, in the chest and the giving you chest problems, it can be in the gut, producing diarrhea and and other uh, eating problems, or it can be in the nervous system causing double vision, vertigo, or loss of smell. So uh, it's unlike any uh, chronic disease I've seen, and and perhaps people have likened it to uh, a cross between something called lupus, uh, which is an autoimmune disease, and other infectious uh, diseases um, such as dengue fever which can relapse in this way as well. But it's it, it's really showing us a variety of responses to the identical virus in ways we couldn't possibly have imagined.
0: Do you think that enough research is being done on those unique, sometimes long-term effects on the body?
1: I think we know very little about it, um, but we have to realise this disease is only four months old and every other complex disease we've had over 100 years to look at them but I I think this is going to be an increasing problem for the health service and we do urgently need to set up specialists who can uh, look at the wide range of symptoms and and put them together because you can't just send people to 10 different specialists depending on what their predominant symptoms are so we need to get clinicians with real expertise in these areas uh, and start also looking at some early treatments and um People on the app, uh, if they join up, are uh, in being enrolled into trials, for example, steroid nasal sprays and um, other tests of antibiotics to see if this can make people uh, reduce the duration of symptoms and stop them going into this, this long-term um, cycle.
0: For those that do go into that long-term cycle... Um, do we do we know why? Is there a possibility that they are genetically more predisposed to suffering from coronavirus more severely?
1: I think that's certainly a possibility. And that's something we are going to be looking at shortly uh, by contacting people uh, on the app who are still logging and offering, offering them genetic tests, as well as looking at their immune systems to see if uh, perhaps their, their bodies are overreacting, but not able to get rid of the the virus which is still inside them and so they might be having in fact more antibodies than uh, people who might get rid of the virus uh, rapidly so we think there are these huge differences between people and also their gut microbes may be different as well there's increasing evidence that um, the microbiome and our gut health are crucial to how you deal with the virus and how powerful your immune system is so we'd love to look at all these three things and that's something we're Getting uh, our team r- ready to start in the next few weeks. Professor Spector, thank you so much for talking to me. My pleasure.
0: The rest of the coronavirus latest news. Boris Johnson says he's very disappointed that masks bought for the NHS won't be able to be used due to safety concerns. 50 million masks bought by the government as part of a £252 million contract won't be used because they have ear loops rather than head loops. The Prime Minister said legal proceedings were underway over the contract and that the UK was increasingly making its own PPE ahead of a possible second wave in the autumn. Germany and France have both recorded their highest daily number of new COVID-19 cases since May. Germany's National Disease Control Centre reported 1,045 new infections on Thursday, while France reported almost 1,700 positive tests during a 24-hour period on Wednesday. Over the past 14 days, France has seen 22.4 new cases per 100,000 residents, up from around 13 a week ago. The government imposed quarantine restrictions on those ...arriving from Spain, when its figure was around 35 new cases per 100,000... As always, if you'd like more details on any of those stories, you can read more by following the links in the episode description. If you're not already a Telegraph subscriber, you can read all of our journalism for free for the first month, which should see you through some sunny afternoons in the park or the garden, or for some of us, those commutes that are creeping back into our lives. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much to all those who got in touch to ask where these updates have disappeared to. The truth is, I needed a holiday, but I'm back in Telegraph Towers, also known as my sitting room, and I'll be bringing you updates on days which warrant it going forward. Uh, as always, if you have a question or a topic you think I should be covering, email me. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. Several listeners have emailed recently to ask about the rules about uh, weddings and wedding receptions, and the Telegraph has a brilliant explainer piece with everything you need to know, from whether the bride needs to wear a mask, to when wedding receptions are on the cards again, and I will put the link to that also in the episode description. Finally, if you are suffering from long COVID, you can find details of support at longcovidsos.org. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis.